couple of weeks ago, we started this series called Mosaic, and we said this line, we said there, this realization to start this off, there are broken people among us. And I didn't realize what a chord that might strike uh, in our church community, how many people after the gathering in, in the week had mentioned, wow, I, 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 need, I needed to hear that, I needed to understand that uh, I'm not alone or that in my season of brokenness, I'm not alone. And uh, it's incredible to see that, how that struck a chord. We ended off uh, obviously affirming the fact that uh, we are image bearers um, in, in Christ. We are image, the image bearers of God. We are also God's children in Christ. But we said a couple of weeks ago, don't hide, don't hide what we're going through um, and don't go it alone. And it was really incredible to, to hear of a couple of stories of people beginning to share um, certain things with each other. There was a team meeting that took place that I wasn't involved in, and uh, one of the people in the, in the team actually shared just something pretty significant, and it sparked others to share a couple of things as well. And uh, that person specifically said, you know, when we started this series, I felt like I need to sh- I need needed to be open with one or two people, and it happened in that setting. And I thought that that's a win. That's the kind of community we want to build—a community where where we're able to share with each other and and not have pretense with one another. So don't hide, don't go it alone. Last week we. Uh, through our guest uh, speaker last week, Daniel DeCarey, just highlighting how many of us have de- dealt with past wounds, how to grow in forgiveness and finds God, God's blessing, um, you know, to, to be able to forgive uh, some of those wounds in our lives. This week, we're going to move a little bit further. And I want to start with a story. Um, my wife and I were sitting uh, with, a, with a counselor uh, about a year and a half ago or so, and uh, it was a great time. I've shared, uh, you know, that we've, we've done that uh, about a year and a half ago. It was a wonderful time of growth and learning for us. But there was this one point in the, in the session, because leading up to this, this time with this ministry, they had given us all these tests to do, you know, like uh, personality tests and uh, um, spiritual growth tests, marriage tests, things like that. And one of them, which I didn't fully understand, I just answered the questions, was a neuro, neurological test. And so we're sitting in this, um, this session, my wife and I, and this counselor who happens to be very well versed in kind of neurological issues and brain issues and how that connects to our emotions and our thinking and our hearts. And um, he was talking about how when, when a part of your head or, or skull or, you know, gets hit with something that it has this kind of long-term effect. So we're talking, we're talking, and he started to, to describe like when someone has kind of an injury in the front of the head. So it hit me. I'm like, Oh my gosh, when I was 11 years old, I was riding my bike, I smashed this concrete pole. I was out for like, like 30 seconds. My friends thought I died because I was out for 30 seconds. And I woke up just bleeding like crazy and ended up getting stitches. Uh, that's another story altogether. But as we're in this session, I said, I, I, was, you know, I had this really bad bang you know, in my head as a kid. And I said, what are the implications of that? And he said, well, he goes, one of the big implications is often you tend to be forgetful and things like that. And I turned to my wife and I'm like, this is, now you understand me, you know? And so there was no excuse to be mad at me anymore at that point. No, no, just joking. Um, but there was this idea like, oh, this, this is why I, you know, at least in this one area in my life, why I'm broken in that way. And um, now all the guys here, you can't use that this week with your wives because I said the story and it's now my story. So don't use that. Bad move. Bad move that that happens. But just to be serious for a moment, when, 
when we find ourselves broken in some way or through a season of brokenness, well, now what? What happens? And I don't want to be oversimplistic, uh, especially sharing a story like that because there's so many significant deep ways that many of us have experienced brokenness. Or I, want to, I don't want to assume that every solution to brokenness is more faith or reading your Bible more, which, of course, we just talked about how we can grow in that in the, in the news time. Some of our brokenness requires counseling to unpack some of the things that we've gone through to discover the source and how God can begin healing that. Some uh, of our brokenness requires a listening ear in community. Uh, Some requires care to help us get through it. Um, And we want to be a community that helps people, that points people to those resources when needed and as needed, uh, and not to shy away from that because we know that God can use so many things to, to heal our lives. And sometimes some of those things are things that help us unpack and even understand the source of brokenness. But Jesus affirms how we started this series off a couple of weeks ago that there, are, there is brokenness among us and there are broken people among us. He said in John 16.33, I want to read this verse together and I think it ties back to uh, how we went into the, the story of uh, just post-creation, the fall, original sin uh, a couple of weeks back. And Jesus says these words. He says, I've told you these things. He's just speaking to his disciples so that in me you may have peace. It's a great promise. But then he says this, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's just pause and pray as we move forward. Father, we invite you to lead us, to guide us, um, and uh, God, just to to speak into our hearts and our lives today. Um, Help us to discern uh, how you want to work in us in, in specific ways, Lord, where you know your Holy Spirit is already beginning to work. We just say welcome to that. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I love how Jesus describes this here. It's helpful. I want to go to the next slide to, to just kind of parse the verse out a little bit. Jesus says, you will, what does he say? Have trouble. Uh, maybe some of your versions say trials and tribulations. You will have trials and tribulations. In, in a sense, as Jesus says this, we can kind of go back to the fall. And as we said a couple of weeks ago, the overflow of sin is, yes, of course, one of the, 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 the key, important, significant understandings of sin is that it separates us from God. But we said a couple of weeks ago that the overflow into multiple things in our lives, often we see these broken pieces, these broken, broken humanity, and then that affects us, whether in, we're involved directly or not. And Jesus says, you will have trouble in this world. This pain and brokenness that we will often feel that are common and possible in our world, you will have trials and tribulations. Jesus doesn't go into the reasons at the moment. He doesn't go into the causes. There's no counseling session at the moment. But just like Genesis describes, pain seems to be part of our human experience. But Jesus says more. Yes, he does say you will have trouble. But take heart. Then he says, I, what does he say? Have, say it together, have overcome the world. He acknowledges you will have trials and tribulations. But then he gives hope and reason for hope. I have overcome the world. In other words, Part of what he's saying there, of course, is, this, is the big picture of the gospel, the big, incredible rescue mission and re- redemption of, uh, of humanity through the gospel and through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. But there's also inside that this idea that brokenness is neither his desire for you, it's not his desire for you, 
And it's not his desire or plan for your ultimate destiny. He says, pretty matter-of-factly, I have overcome the world. And God has done something within human history that puts a dent in brokenness. Yes, we experience in between the times, between, you know, uh, living, living on earth, living pre-eternity, living pre-new creation towards creation. And that dent that has been put in brokenness is because Jesus came and dealt with the cause, sin. Jesus is God's plan. See, Jesus is God's ultimate response to brokenness caused by sin, but also the overflow of sin. The overflow of sin which we will experience throughout our lives, even as believers, even as we overcome in Christ, there's still the glimpses of the realization that we are not in new creation yet. We are not we are not we are not experienced the fullness of salvation and the fullness of God all God will do in the full reign and rule of Jesus Christ. And so I want to say this and and I think I put it on the screen. When we find ourselves in a season of brokenness, this is so important for our perspective. When we find ourselves in a season of brokenness, brokenness is not our ultimate destiny. It might be our season, it might be uh, a part of our journey. It might be a huge setback at times, but when we find ourselves in a season of brokenness, we must remember brokenness is not our ultimate destiny. And Jesus understands. We read it in John 16.33. He understands the extent of the pain that's described in the garden uh, post-sin, the overflow of that sin. But I don't want us to misunderstand that pain as some divine purpose for our life. Of course, there was judgment in that moment. There was consequences that God told us that as a consequence of sin, we will experience this. But I don't want us to believe in this moment that pain is the is the core of my existence because God sent a remedy and God sent a redeemer. And I think it's important we, sometimes as we look at scripture, especially when we look back at the Old Testament, um, we will often come into this misguided approach where we will look at something that's described to us in, in part of the Old Testament and we will interpret it as a prescription for life. We'll read a story like King David. King David responds to a nation that's fighting against them and Israel, and he responds back as a warrior. And so what we do is we, we, we take that and we prescribe it to our lives. Let me also fight back to all the nations around me or all the people around me, just like David did. And we read that story, and we don't recognize, well, one, God had said at the outside, I never really wanted you to have a king, but since your hearts are hard, I'm going to give you a king, and now you're a king and you're a nation, and you're going to live among nations, and those nations go to war. Israel, I didn't really want this for you, but you're living this out, and uh, I'm not abandoning you. But then we read a story like that, and we, pres- we make it a prescription instead of a description. And that's really important to understand when we read even the pain described of human brokenness, whether it's suffering, evil, illness, tragedy, or personal wounds, even the effects of the fall, because we know God's ultimate plan and the multi-million things that have caused brokenness, we, and even understanding that as believers we will go through seasons of brokenness, we need to understand the difference between the description of what human experience is like and the prescription of what God desires for your life and even his ultimate destiny for us in Christ and into new creation. 
And so pain can describe human experience, but it's not divine prescription in a sense where God says, you're going to have pain and 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 you're going to have brokenness. There's a consequence of sin. There's judgment for sin. But the multitude effects of sin in the brokenness of our lives, when we, we're hit with that, well, like I said, like when we're in a storm, all of us get wet regardless. When we're in a broken world, all of us will experience that. And I want us to be clear because some of us have struggled with things like mental illness or betrayal in a marriage or um, an alcoholic parent like Daniel described last week or tragic sickness. And sometimes, sometimes we will look and we will say, oh, God prescribed this for me. God wants this for me. God can use that. God can work in that. God could help you get through that. God could even bring healing in that. But be careful not to call it God's prescription for your life or somebody else's life. It might describe a season you're going through, but it's not the end of the road. In other words, God doesn't gloat or express gladness over someone struggling with mental illness or someone being betrayed in a marriage or someone walking through a difficult season. Now, this is very different from being broken over injustice. Sometimes we we are broken over the injustice in the world. Sometimes we go through incredible um, pain to achieve a a godly goal, to to, to do something in our world. Sometimes in sharing the gospel, people have have experienced suffering. That's, That's a different category. But what do we do with the brokenness that we experience? With the fact that Jesus said, matter-of-factly, you will have trials and tribulations, but on the other side, I take heart, I've overcome the world. What do we do with that brokenness? There's an author that became very popular the last five or ten years. Her name is, maybe you've read her, Anne Voskamp. Um, she's written a couple of books. One of her, her very popular early books was called The Thousand Gifts, and uh, then she's written other books afterwards, and one of them was called The Broken Way. And um, she describes... One of the most heart-wrenching experiences of her life that literally led her through a decade or two of significant turmoil. She was five years old. She lived on a farm with her family. A beautiful life, beautiful experience. And um, her sister Annie's two years old. Uh, her parents, you know, kind of live the farm life. They're enjoying, you know, the vastness of the fields and the farm animals and the food and the feasts and obviously the hard work as well that goes with it. But her little, her little sister ran into the road where often farms are on roads where, where, you know, traffic is there, trucks and this and that. And her little two-year-old sister was killed by a delivery truck, two years old. And the image Anne Voskamp describes that she could not get out of her mind is her mom holding her sister in a quilted blanket with just covered with blood. And this image in her mind and this, this moment that happened in her family's life just spiraled the family into despair, into a sense of hopelessness, into being distraught, into confusion at times. Um, her dad had left the church, her mom started experiencing uh, psychiatric issues in and out of psychiatric care. As, as Anne grew up in her teenage years, she began to cut herself to deal with the grief and pain that her family experienced. And she, she describes this 
in such a vivid way where you just sit back and just, you know, you begin to grieve for them. And I can't imagine the pain of losing a sibling or a child like that, and maybe some of you know that pain. And in Anne's poetic style, as she writes, and, and uh, she really does have a poetic way of describing her, even when she speaks publicly, you know, you feel like she's kind of just talking poems all the time. Um, she slowly tells us how brokenness led her to the start of healing and a new perspective. And, of course, nothing changed with the situation. Her sister was gone. The memories were there. And she, she began to get through this season of brokenness. In her first book, called A Thousand Gifts, she describes how gratitude started to change her heart and her mind, how these thousand gifts, she starts to list all the things in her life, the, even the simplest things of the taste of her favorite jelly bean candy, and, and just, just different things, the people around her, her home, uh, other things. And so she, she lists these thousand gifts, and her first book is, describes how gratitude um, helped her to to begin to see things differently. But her second book, she says something in her second book. It's called The Broken Way. And she says this line that I think ties into what we're talking about. And she said, and it's really simple. It's almost overly simplistic that you might want to disregard it as cliche. But then you can't because you know what she went through. And you know the, the faith that she starts to describe. And she says this line, and just a simple quote on the screen. She says, my bad brokenness met a good brokenness. She said, my bad brokenness met a good brokenness. Now, I told you, that sounds overly simple. It sounds like, you know, a Twitter quote or something. But she, she says that, she describes that, and you say, is that even possible? What does that even mean? That a, a bad brokenness, my bad brokenness met a good brokenness. And she describes how she slowly began to submit her brokenness to the brokenness of Jesus. How she encountered in Christ, in his life, but specifically his sorrow and his death, how she encountered a good brokenness. And she describes how she slowly began to submit her brokenness to the brokenness of Christ. Not just to Christ. Of course, we submit ourselves to Christ, to the Lordship of Christ. But she specifically, what helped her and what brought her through and what grew her in that time is the brokenness of Jesus. This essential season and moment of Jesus's life prior to his death. Because it's not just that Jesus is healer or savior. When we really walk through uh, those moments towards the cross, specifically, he was also broken. He was broken. And later on, we're going to take communion. We're going to break the bread. And the reminder is that Jesus' body broken for us, his blood shed for us. And this was key for Anne and her family. And this was key for them to understand there was a place for them to, to submit their brokenness to. That there was not just someone, but God in human flesh, in his brokenness, had a place for their brokenness. And this is why the pain that overflows into human society from original sin and is a description and not, just, not, not a prescription, I want you to think about this. God had a plan to enter the brokenness of the world. He entered our brokenness. He entered our pain. He entered the mess. Right from just post the sin of humanity in Genesis chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 3.15, there's this promise that one day... The source of this, the deceiver, the Satan, the serpent, his head will be crushed by the heel of someone. 
And as we read through the story of scriptures, we begin to understand that that is Jesus. Jesus will crush the head of the serpent, will crush the source of brokenness. Now, three things I want us to grasp at this, because one, we will need this at certain points in our lives, or you possibly are going through a season of brokenness, and you're thinking, well, how does Jesus' brokenness affect mine? And here's a couple of things. The first thing is this. Christ entered a broken world. This is the framework in which our faith is based on. Christ entered a broken world. First of all, Christ became flesh. Christ became flesh. And think about not just that. The first two years of Jesus' life, he was literally a refugee. He was literally someone who was fleeing from an oppressive government, an oppressive leader, an oppressive situation. Him and his family were refugees. So for the first couple of years of Jesus' life, he literally lived the refugee experience. When Jesus uh, begins his ministry and is baptized, the Holy Spirit sends him where? Sends him to the desert for 40 days, where he fasts for 40 days. And he's tempted by Satan. And the, the description of the desert, sometimes we read the story and we love to take it as, you know, oh, this is great, Jesus, you know, he overcame temptation. But just, just pause for a second, just put yourself in, a, in, in the wilderness for 40 days by yourself, directly being tempted by Satan without eating. I mean, the other night I had to take care of something uh, and uh, I had to leave the house and... Um, and be somewhere, a little bit of an emergency, and help through something. And I remember it was getting really late. It was 9, then 10, then 11, then 12, then 1 o'clock. And I was, I was waiting for something to be finished up with this little emergency. And I literally just, I, I, I caved for a moment. I'm like, oh, I, just, I really want to be home right now. I was like, I just hate being here right now. I just like hating this moment. And then I had this quick thought. I'm like, Dave, one, you're such a baby. This is nothing. <laughs> Because it really, I mean, I was just waiting and it was long and I went to bed at two in the morning. That's not the biggest thing in the world. But I I thought, what, imagine I was literally somewhere where I could not just go home. Where I was in the middle of a situation where all that that little bit of anxiety and restlessness that came in my mind and my heart at that moment, like multiply that by a hundred. And we don't recognize this, but... The inner struggle, the experience that Jesus experienced in those 40 days would wipe many of us out. It's described of Jesus that there's no place to lay his head. No place to lay his head. Now, we, we, we use that in, in, in great metaphor for our lives and, and to understand that Jesus, you know, look at, look at him and look at what he did and, and look at how he persevered through the persecution, uh, you know, in his time. But that's a, that's a significant phrase. How would you feel if you had no place to lay your head? So the scripture tells us he was tempted in every way. Sure, he didn't sin, but he was tempted in any way. Have you ever wrestled through the inner struggle of temptation? Christ entered our brokenness. Secondly, Christ became broken. Christ became broken. We describe the cross and and, and for good reasons, as Christians, we relish and revel in the beauty and the accomplishment of the cross. We sing about the cross. It's amazing. 
But often we only see the physical pain of the cross, but it's more. Philippians 2, this hymn that the early church would sing, you know, described that, that, that the Son of Man uh, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. He took on human form, human nature, and it says he became obedient to death. And then add, they add this phrase in this hymn or this song. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. There's a reason that... That, that song describes to us that he even became obedient to death on a cross because the cross in Roman culture was horrible and it was excruciating and it was emotionally an emotional nightmare and it was the most humiliating way that someone could possibly die. And that's what Jesus walked through. He entered. He became broken. He became broken. When we read Jesus at the garden praying and it says that he sweat drops of blood, I think we pass over it and say, what a great part of the story. But if you just pause for a second and recognize that God in the flesh is weeping drops of blood, that is the kind of emotions that he's going through at the moment. Jesus was broken leading up to the death and burial and we're grateful for the resurrection, but he was broken. We serve and worship a broken Savior. I told my wife that line yesterday. She's like, Dave, I don't, I don't like that line. You know, she's like, God's not broken. And I get it. God's not broken. Obviously, that would be like almost sacrilegious to say God is broken. But God in the flesh, Jesus, he went through a brokenness. He was broken towards his death. Might sound blasphemous. There's this scene in the Chronicles of Narnia. If you've read the books or seen the movies, there's a scene where Aslan, who's the Christ figure, the God figure, uh, he is he's he's accepted. You know the 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 place of this young boy Edward, uh, who is supposed to be tried, and he takes his place and he goes through the ceremony where he is going to be killed or sacrificed. And Lucy and Susan look from a distance. And first they see Aslan walking up the steps towards this altar and he's in his full mane and he's in his full strength and he's in his full glory as a lion. But as he walks up to the steps, people start, all the, the creatures and the people start spitting on him and hitting him and whipping him and, and just, just, you know, tearing him down with their words and their actions and they tie him up and they brutalize him and they, and they shave him and they leave him like this. And when I thought of that scene, that's the brokenness that Jesus entered. The brokenness that Jesus experienced. And it's in this brokenness where something occurs for you and me. And here's the beautiful part that I think was so significant for Anne Voskamp. And that can be significant for all of us. Christ meets our brokenness with his brokenness. That's why she said, my bad brokenness met a good brokenness. Christ's Christ meets our brokenness with his brokenness. Jesus is wounded, and we serve a wounded healer. Daniel DeCary last week described the wound his father left him, and that only in his relationship with Christ and the decision to forgive was he able to move forward with peace. We all have wounds. We've all struggled. Some of us are struggling right now. You're in a season of brokenness that that we might not even know about. Here's the beauty. Jesus meets your wound with a wound of his own. Jesus meets your brokenness with his brokenness. And the, the, the way we can understand this, see, he, 
And he didn't just say, he didn't just say, it'll be better, you can do better, you're gonna, you got this, you can make this happen, psych yourself up, watch another motivational video. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus became broken to heal the brokenness. And, and our brokenness can press up against his brokenness. In fact, Ann Voskamp said she began in, in, a, in her prayers, in her reflections, uh, in her journey to literally, not literally, but, you know, in a sense, pressing her wounds against the wounds of Jesus. Pressing her brokenness against the brokenness of Jesus. And she found something began to change in her. And when our pain converges with his pain, this miracle happens. Something begins to change in us when our pain converges with his pain. And see, even though God doesn't prescribe the pain you're going through, your pain can become a path to Christ. And that's the beautiful story of of Anne Voskamp, that her pain became a path towards Jesus. Her brokenness led her, the bro- led her to the brokenness of Christ. And her brokenness pressed up against his brokenness and that began to heal her because of what Christ has done and what he does in us. And this changes how you and I will deal with brokenness, whether it's a, a small kind of brokenness or a large kind of brokenness. And as I said before, I'm not, I don't want to put aside some of the other ways that, that, that some of us um, need to work through things. I'm not saying... You know, don't talk to someone. Uh, I'm not saying you need to unravel some of these things. I'm not saying that. But there's this core principle, this core idea in the scriptures of how, what can change and how we deal with our brokenness. And, and kind of let me say it this way, as I want to slowly bring this to a close. Just like Anne Voskamp did, we can do the same thing. We can place our brokenness, we can submit our brokenness to Jesus. We no longer have to keep it inside of us. We can submit that brokenness to Jesus. We can submit that pain to him. We can submit our brokenness to a broken Savior and press it up against his. What is, why? What does that mean for us? How does that work? Think about it this way. The fact that Jesus entered our brokenness means a very important thing. Not only is that redemption and salvation, it means that we can associate with him. And he associates with us. He knows our brokenness. He associates with your brokenness, with your pain, with your struggle, with your season that you're going through. He associates with you. He knows your brokenness. And secondly, it's redemptive. He knows how to use your brokenness for good. I mean, if you, if you sit and listen or read to Anne Voskamp's story, it could have gone another way. It could have gone where she was left in her brokenness. It could have gone where whatever she went through was used for nothing. But as, she, as her brokenness pressed against the brokenness of her Savior, all of a sudden, Jesus began to redeem that and use that for hundreds and thousands of people that would also see their pain as a possible path towards Christ. Recognizing God didn't... God didn't give me this or send me this or prescribe this for me. But it happened. It happened on this side of eternity and God can use that pain as a path towards him and towards healing and towards hope. A couple of years ago, um, some biographical information came out about Mother Teresa. Many of you know Mother Teresa that she helped you know, hundreds, thousands of people in Calcutta. And, and uh, some of the information that came out described that she had some very, very dark nights of the soul. 
extreme uh, amounts of anxiety at times, depression, darkness, even unbelief. And there's two ways to look at that. Some people were like, oh my goodness, Mother Teresa, you know, she did so much. Now it means nothing. And then other people looked and said, how was she able to still do what she did during her dark nights of the soul? In other words, there was somehow a redeeming factor of what was going on there that God still was able to use to bless others and work in others. And I think that's the beauty of, of redemption, where our pain God can use in, towards good. And so first thing, as I say that, I want to just kind of, you know, we place or submit our brokenness to Jesus. But here's the beautiful thing. All of our brokenness, whether it's a season, a moment, even if it feels like a lifetime, all of our brokenness is temporary when we encounter Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean that it's gone. Like I said, it could be a moment, it could be a season, it could be even feel like a lifetime, but all of it becomes temporary. I want to just read uh, Philippians verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 6. Common verse that we often read. talks about this Jesus, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. This automatically assumes that there's time in between when the good work started to when the completion takes place, right? It assumes that. That he who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He who started this work is faithful to complete it. Here's the beautiful thing. When you let Jesus work in and through your brokenness, two things can happen. Obviously, healing can occur. That's beautiful. And if, and if you, can, and if you um, experience healing immediately through the supernatural power of Jesus, amazing. But we know that always doesn't happen. That we don't always, we often will go through something. Here's the second thing that can happen as Jesus starts his work in us. Now we have someone who we can submit our brokenness to. And now we can endure through our brokenness. And now we can grow through our brokenness. Now I'm not going to lie to you because sometimes people will say, well, if Jesus did all this, then your brokenness is going to be gone. But we know that to be not true. At times we will still experience seasons of brokenness, even as believers. But one, it can come through healing, but it always comes through endurance. And it always, always means that, that that brokenness, whether it's a season or a lifetime, in the scope of eternity, is always temporary. It becomes temporary. And it's only possible by allowing Jesus to start a work in you, by saying yes to Christ, by saying yes to his work, by saying yes to what he walked through for you on the cross, by saying yes in belief and standing on the resurrection. He's faithful to complete it. This is so important. In Christ, brokenness is always, always temporary. Whether it lasts a little while or it lasts your physical life, brokenness is always, always temporary. Because one day, even if we don't experience the fullness of healing today, one day we will experience the fullness. Isn't that amazing? That's a promise. That is a promise. That is a fact. I invite the team to come up as we slowly move towards communion. And I'm excited. Next week we're going we're gonna to end our series uh, talking about how do we as broken people, what is, how does God work in us for something beautiful in the world? Um, but as we close today, I want to I just encourage you to do something uh, as we move towards this moment of communion and taking these elements together. I don't know what's going on in each of our lives. I'm not sure if you feel like you're in a a moment of, of difficulty or brokenness or pain these days or a season. 
But from what we've heard, what we understand from the scriptures today, I want us to take a moment and literally submit our brokenness to our broken Savior. Submit our brokenness to our Savior who was broken for us. To our Savior who entered a broken world, who became broken for us, and whose brokenness will meet our brokenness. Take a moment, and and even as uh, we just start into this next song, to be reflective about this and thinking, I want to bring this to you, Jesus. I want to bring this to you. Now, maybe, it, maybe it's the first time that you're doing this and you're, you're, you know, you've been tracking with us as a church or maybe you're here today and you're saying, what does that mean? I'm going to encourage you literally to, to put your faith in Christ. Believe that his brokenness will meet your brokenness as you seek him, as you put your trust in him, as you put your faith in him. But some of you maybe need it again. Now, I don't mean you need to get saved again. I don't mean you need to come to Jesus again. I mean that in this season, you've forgotten that you can bring your brokenness to Christ. You've forgotten that. And you need to bring it to him again. There's this verse that I think will help us understand this as we just go through this process for a couple of moments. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. Do you, you see that little line there? You know, do not be anxious about anything. And then you see this little line, but in every situation? Let me ask you a question. How often is too often for you to bring your situation to the Lord? How often is too often? Is there... Nobody's answering? Never, right? How, if you have one anxious thought in the day, can you bring that anxious thought to the Lord? Okay, if you have 10 anxious thoughts in the day, can you bring those 10 anxious thoughts to the Lord? Right? You can. You can have a zillion anxious thoughts in the day, and there's no limit on how many times you can say, I'm bringing this anxious thought to God. If you're going through a broken season and you feel like, oh, but you know what? I had something a year ago or last month or whatever. I keep bringing this to Jesus. Every situation, every time you can bring your brokenness to Jesus. Every single time. You guys can start. Um, as, as often, as often as you need to. As often as you need to. As often as you need to. There's no limit. There's no limit. take a moment right now even before we come and take these elements to bring whatever it is and submit it to Christ let his wound he was wounded for you let his wound press up against your wound let his brokenness press up against yours Let his healing power as a wounded healer and savior press up against you. I promise you, God won't say, no, you can't bring it to me this time. He won't say that. He says, come, bring it to me. Press up against me. 
God, we thank you for your plan. We thank you for your purpose. We thank you for the climactic moment of your son coming, entering our brokenness, being broken, meeting our brokenness. Thank you that we can submit our brokenness and all ourselves to you, God. Thank you that we can press up against you. Thank you that whether good or evil, whether health or sickness, whether pain or gifts, God, you can use all of that as a path towards you. May we discern, may we see, may we press forward. Put our trust in you, Lord. God, we do that today in Christ's name. Amen.